Welcome to The Heart Zone, featuring George Cannon. This broadcast is a time of teaching and encouragement from Kerwinsville Christian Church. For more information, we invite you to visit us on the web at www.kerwinsvillechristian.org. And now for a message from The Heart Zone. Here's George Cannon. We're continuing on looking at the character of God as we've been going through Romans. We're focused specifically on chapters 9 through 11, and we're almost done. We'll be done next week on this issue before we get back to what Paul was really the heart of what he was talking about in Romans. And what we're looking at specifically, this is actually a very difficult portion of Scripture because it really talks about Paul, for a moment, sets aside the whole issue of salvation and sanctification. He really wants to focus now on the issue of his people, Israel. He wants to focus on God's heart for them and whether or not God has rejected them. And really, you say, okay, what does that got to do with me, George? How how do I apply that to my life? Because he's talking about Israel here. How does that apply to me? Well, as we look at how God deals with the nation Israel, and let's be honest, Israel, they rejected him. They rebelled against him. They were doing their own thing. They thought they could get God their own way. We're going to see that as God deals with them, that's how he deals with you and I. He's the same God, yesterday, today, and forever. And the same faithfulness that he has towards them, and that's what we're going to talk about today, is the faithfulness of God. God is faithful. The same faithfulness that he has towards them, he has towards you and I. Because I know some of us, we get to this mood where we we wonder, is God, are you going to be faithful to me? Are you going to do the things for me? Do you really care about me? Don't we get that way? Everybody, do, we get to that place where we start doubting that, don't we? And if there was a people that would doubt that, it would be Israel. And if you look at them today, enemies encamped all around them, threatening to blow them off the face of the earth, you would begin to wonder if God really is faithful, if he does care. So I want you to notice with me, we're going to look at verse, verses 1 through 24 today. And look, again, at the nation Israel, but draw out of it the faithfulness of God. And maybe draw out of it some things for you and I today. Look with me at verse 1. He says, I say then, has God cast away his people? Certainly not. For I am an Israelite of the seed of Abraham, of the tribe of Benjamin. God has not cast away his people whom he foreknew. Or do you not know what the scripture says of Elijah, how he pleads with God against Israel, saying, Lord, they have killed all your prophets and torn down your altars, and I alone am left, and they seek my life? But what does the divine response say to him? I have reserved for myself 7,000 men who have not bowed the knee to Baal. Even so then, at the time there was a remnant according to the election of grace. And if by grace it is no longer of works, otherwise grace is no longer. And if it is of works, it is no longer grace, otherwise work is no longer work. What then? Israel has obtained what it seeks, but the elect have obtained it, the rest were blinded, just as it is written. God has given them a spirit of stupor, their eyes that they should not see, their ears that they should not hear, and to this very day, And David says, let their table become a snare and a trap, a stumbling block, and a recompense to them. 
Let their eyes be darkened so they do not see and bow down their back always. I say then, have they stumbled that they should fall? Certainly not. But through their fall, to provoke them to jealousy, salvation has come to the Gentiles. Now if their fall is riches for the world, their failure riches for the Gentiles, how much more their fullness... For I speak to you Gentiles, inasmuch as I am an apostle to the Gentiles, I magnify my ministry. If by any means I might provoke to jealousy those who are my flesh, and save some for them. For if they being cast away is the reconciling of the world, what will their acceptance be but life from the dead? For if the first fruit is holy, the lump is also holy. And if the root is holy... So are the branches. And if some of the branches are broken off, and you being a wild olive tree were grafted among them, and with them became a partaker of the root and the fatness of the olive tree, do not boast against the branches. If you do boast, remember that you do not support the root, but the root supports you. You will say then, the branches were broken off that you might be grafted in. Well said, because of unbelief, they were broken off. And you stand by faith. Do not be haughty, but fear. For if God did not spare the natural branches, he may not spare you either. Therefore, consider the goodness and severity of God on those who fell severity towards you, goodness. And if you continue in goodness, otherwise you also will be cut off. And they also, if they do not continue in unbelief, will be grafted in. And God is able to graft them in again. And if you were cut out of the olive tree, which is wild by nature, and were grafted contrary to the nature into a cultivated olive tree, how much more will those who are natural branches be grafted into their own olive tree? Okay, so let's look at this passage. A little confusing at points, but I'm going to try and help you to understand a little bit. We're going to see three things here, first of all. We're going to see, first of all, God's faithfulness. We're going to see then spiritual blindness, and then we're going to see God's plan, and we're going to see how that all relates to God's faithfulness. Okay, So let's notice with me verses 1 to 6. We're going to see, first of all, the faithfulness of God. The question is raised, and this is a good question. Look at what it says in verse 1. I say then, has God cast away his people? See, someone could begin to question the faithfulness of God by just simply looking at the Scripture. And in the Scripture, you notice that God chose for him a special people. He gave that special people, Israel, all of these promises. He said, I'll be with you. I'll never forsake you. Yes, I'll punish you by your enemies. But I'll always be there. And he gave that promise through Abraham and through all of the patriarchs, the promise that they would receive all of these different things. But have they received them yet? No. Then you come to the New Testament where it seems like God shifts his attention now away from Israel to the church. And the natural question is, is, okay, where's the faithfulness of God? He said he was going to be faithful to these people, Israel, that they were going to inherit all of these things. Now he's turned his attention to us. Doesn't sound too faithful to me, Paul. Doesn't sound too faithful. Where's the faithfulness of God? And so that's what that first question is. And so Paul wants to respond to that whole issue of the faithfulness of God by three ways. Notice what he, how he responds. First of all, in verse 1, he responds by saying, well, look at me. It was seen in Paul's conversion. The faithfulness of God was seen in Paul's conversion. Notice what he says there. 
Right after the question, certainly not, for I also am an Israelite of the seed of Abraham of the tribe of Benjamin. He said, God is still faithful. Look, I'm here, a Christian saved because of his faithfulness, but I'm a Jew. God's still faithful to his people. God's still faithful, just look at me. Look, God's still faithful, just look at you. You're here today and you've trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior. He's still faithful to the promise that not everyone should be lost because you have come to Christ. Look at you. Paul said, look at me. That's his first evidence. He then says, another thing, he now then goes to the Scripture to show you that the faithfulness was seen in the past. So notice now, it was seen in the past. He refers specifically in verses 2 through 4 to an incident that happened in the life of the prophet Elijah. Remember the Elijah was the prophet to the northern kingdom and it seemed like all of the northern kingdom had turned away from God. Every single last one of them had turned away, it seemed to him. In fact, Elijah got to the point where he was so depressed he asked God to kill him because he said, Lord, they've torn down your altars. they killed all of your prophets. I'm the only one left, God. I'm the only one in the whole world in all of northern kingdom here who still worships you, Lord, do me in, take me away, because these people are wicked. That's pretty bad, isn't it? You ever had that kind of thinking where you're the only one left? God, I'm the only one! Then notice what God says to him. Look in your Bibles there. Verse 4, he says this, But what does the divine response say to him? I have reserved for myself 7,000 men who have not bowed the knee to Baal. Baal was this god, this rain god that the northern kingdom was worshipping. And even though it seemed like everybody else had turned away, he says to Elijah, Elijah, you're not alone. I'm still faithful to the promise. I'm still calling people out. And I have called out 7,000 who have not yet bowed the knee, who have not kissed the idol of Baal. You're not alone. See, God's faithful. He's faithful. In fact, he's not just faithful as we see it in Paul's conversion. He's not just faithful as it was seen in the past. Here's the other aspect of it. It was seen, it is seen in the present. It is seen in the present. Look with me now at what he says in verse 5 and 6. Here's what he says. Even so, at this present time, there is a remnant according to the election of grace. And if by grace then it is no longer of works, otherwise grace is no longer grace. And if it is of works, it is no longer grace, otherwise work is no longer work. What's he saying here? He says, all you got to do is look around you and you see the faithfulness of God when it comes to the people of Israel. Do you know that even today there are Jews who are getting saved? They're called Messianic Jews. They worship Yeshua, as they call him, or Jesus, the Messiah. And they're around us. Again, God is still preserving Himself a remnant. He's faithful to His promises. You know what? All you got to do now then, if you want to, is go over to the book of Revelation and you'll see the fulfillment of His promises to Israel. He's faithful. Now let's just stop for a moment. Because here you are today, you're, you're going through the stuff you're going through. You're dealing with the stuff you're dealing with. And the natural question that arises from our hearts are, where are you, God? Where are you? I feel like you've abandoned me, God. 
I feel like I'm all alone. In fact, can I be honest with you? If, if that's your, you're, you're not alone because I got to read is the Psalms. Those are the same things that David says in the Psalms. God, where are you? I'm alone. I feel abandoned. Why aren't you there? And you begin to question the faithfulness of God, don't you? You begin, and you know what? You've got an enemy who will come to you and he will tell you and whisper to you, he's forgotten you. You've done, you've messed up one too many times with him. He's not there. And we'll listen to those lies, won't we? We'll listen to them. We'll begin to believe them. And we'll begin to question the faithfulness of God. And so Paul, in this passage, is talking about the faithfulness of God because here he is, he's addressing this whole issue of a question concerning Israel. And he says, look, if God's still faithful to Israel, He's still faithful to you and I too, isn't He? He's still faithful to you and I too. But see, here's the problem. Now he goes on and talks about spiritual blindness. I want you to notice with me what he says in verses 6 through 10, he's going to talk about their spiritual blindness. Look with me at verse 6. He's going to talk about Israel. Even in spite of the fact that God is still faithful, they're going to be blind to Him. Notice what it says, verse 6. It says this, If by grace, then it is no longer of works. Otherwise, grace is no longer grace. And if it is of works, it is no longer grace. Otherwise, it is no longer work. Here's the other point. Look at verse 7. What then? Israel has not obtained what it seeks. So what is it seeking? It's seeking God. So here, listen, they can't obtain it through works. They're under this delusion because they're the special people of God that the way to attain God is by doing all this stuff. This religious stuff. But Paul makes the point very clear in what seems to be a very confusing verse there, verse 6. He's saying, look, it's grace, not works. And if it was works, it's no longer grace. Grace is mercy. It's getting what you don't deserve. You can't do anything for it. And so if it's by works, obviously it's not by grace. And so here they are. They're spiritually blind, thinking that somehow they can attain God's favor by doing stuff. You know what? You're here today. Some of you are here today. And you're here today... Because you're trying to gain favor. I hate to say that. Hopefully you're a minority. Hopefully you're just a few. But you're here today because you're trying to gain favor. Because you walked in here and maybe you've got some sort of problem and you're like, okay, Lord, here I am. I'm in church. I'm worshiping you. Now take care of my problem. Don't we get that way? Or, Lord, here I am. I gave today, Lord. I put money in the offering plate. I felt like taking it out, but I put it in. I need your help, God. Is that not the attitude that we gain? Is that not what we do? We try to seek God's favor by all the stuff we do. God, I abstained from Pepsi all week this week. Or chocolate. I gave up chocolate this week, Lord, for you. All because we're trying to what? Gain his favor. But on my friends, you can't. See, that's what Israel was doing. They could not obtain it through works. Listen, God's faithful to you, period. You 
can't gain his favor. You can't gain his favor. I mean, you can go all week, if you could, without doing anything wrong. And say, okay, God, I'm there. Show me favor. Then you mess up. You're at Walmart and there's only one item left and the two of you on the other ends of the hall run down to get it and somebody gets it before you. And you have an attitude. Or somebody cuts you off. You know what I mean? And then it's like, oh, I've lost my favor with you, God. But God's not like that. He's faithful. See, they thought they could attain it. And here's the problem. They are blind to the truth. They are blind to the truth. That's why they can't see it. Notice what it says. Verse 7, But the elect obtained it, and the rest were blinded. They're blind to the truth. They can't see it. They can't see the truth. In fact, I'll be honest with you, notice what it says. They are blinded. That is, they are blinded. Somebody is blinding them. If you go over to... 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 3 and 4. There's an interesting passage of Scripture, and it might free some of you to hear what it says here. It says this, For if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing, whose minds the God of this age has blinded, who do not believe, lest the gospel of light, the glory of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine on them. Notice what he said there. The God of this age. Who's he talking about? Our enemy, Satan, has blinded them. Some of you, can I just stop for a moment just from what I'm talking about? We're talking about the faithfulness of God. You're wanting to share your faith with somebody and they're not listening? It's not you. It's not your delivery method. It's not that you don't know all the answers. It's because they're blinded. And the God of this world has blinded them to the truth. That is, Satan has blinded them to keep them from what? Hearing the truth. And so, here's Israel. God's favor and His faithfulness is always there. He's been faithful to them. Look, just read the Old Testament all the way through. You'll just see, even in spite of all of the stuff, and let me tell you, they did some stuff. They did some stuff. I mean, they did some serious stuff as far as sinning against God. But yet he's always faithful. Always faithful. Always faithful. But they were blinded to that truth. And so here they are, still trying to obtain it through all of their stuff that they're doing. Are you blinded? Are you trying to gain God's favor in your life? Has the God of this world blinded you to the truth that it's only by grace? It's a gift. You receive it. You receive it. Here, you know, it's a struggle that can happen. In fact, I'll just be honest with you. It wasn't, I was saved in 1985. It wasn't until almost nine years later, 1994. I was, Lori and I were married one year that I came to the realization and lifted myself out of spiritual defeat. See, up until that time, I was spiritually defeated. Here I was, seminary graduate, spiritually defeated. Because in some way, in the back of my mind, I thought that I had to do something to gain God's love. Oh, I know He saved me. I was saved. I was a Christian. 
But in order for him to show faithfulness to me, I had to give. I had to be at church. I mean, I had to be at church when church wasn't even open. I had to do all this stuff, keep doing all this stuff, try to gain God's favor. And it wasn't until nine years later, in a Christmas tree field of all places, that I realized that my acceptance with God had nothing to do with me. I had to do everything with Jesus because of what Jesus had done for me. See, before that, I was blind. Oh, I I could see some things. I could understand salvation by grace, but I couldn't see that my acceptance with God was not based on me. Do you know what I mean? Can you see what I'm saying? See, we can be so spiritually blinded, and Israel was spiritually blinded, but yet God continued to be faithful to them. See, His faithfulness is not based on you. His faithfulness is based on Him. So notice with me now God's plan, verses 11 through 24. First of all, He tells us in verses 11 through 16 that even in spite of their rejection, there was a benefit to it. God had, God was faithful to all humanity because of their rejection. And notice why. Because we benefited from their rejection. Because Israel for a moment turned aside and decided not to do it, the benefit of that was is that salvation then was made available to who? Gentiles. Who are Gentiles? That's you and I. You know, can I be honest with you? You're, you're saved here today. You, you know Jesus. The Gospel came to you because they rejected it. Does everybody understand that? You're, you understand that. That's what he wants to point out here is that we benefited from it. In fact, he wants to, in fact, if you read this passage, you read these verses 11 through 24, Paul's going to make the point to the Gentiles, don't have a haughty spirit. Don't be proud about the fact that you're saved because the fact of the matter is the reason why you're saved is because they rejected it. Then God turned his attention to you. So you and I can't even be proud about being a Christian. We can't even be proud about being a Christian. We can only thank God and that even in spite of their rejection, he still was faithful to even you and I. And then I want you to notice the next thing is that out of it, and he uses it through the illustration of an olive tree, out of their rejection, he created something new. God has created something new. And here's what he's talking about. He talks about Israel as this olive tree. Olives were very prominent and very important in the life of Israel at that time. And so here he has an olive tree and what God did was is the broken branches which represent those who didn't believe, he cut them out. And then he went to a wild olive tree. Who were they? The Gentiles. And from the wild olive tree, he took branches of those who would believe and he grafted them into the new olive tree. And he created something new. And so the new olive tree, that that tree, those new branches, those wild branches began to bear fruit like the cultivated olive tree. Because why? They gained their nourishment, their source of energy from the root, which is who? Jesus. Which is God. He created something new. Look, you and I are part of something new here. Do you understand that? We're part of something new. And then finally he wants to make the point so that we catch it and we understand is that even though through their rejection others benefited, which is you and I, God's still faithful. Why? Because he wants to point out to us is that ultimately in the future Israel will be saved. Right now they're rejecting. 
But one day they'll be saved. In fact, that story of their salvation, you want to know where it is? The book of Revelation. The book of Revelation. Chapter 4 all the way to chapter 20. Where you see Israel finally embracing Christ as their Messiah. So you say, okay, George, we've got into all this. What does this mean for me today? A couple things. Here's what we're going to talk about. Number one, are you trying to gain God's approval? Are you trying to gain God's approval? I mean, you can think, I mean, we try to gain God's approval. I talked about a few of them through giving, showing up here. Maybe you're reading ten chapters a day. Or I, I once met a man who read the Bible through three times in a year. Boy, that's an awful lot of reading, isn't it? Or, or maybe you're always volunteering for everything. Or maybe you're being nice to the guy that doesn't deserve to be nice to at work. God, look at me. I should kick him, but I'm being nice to him, Lord. Show me favor. Are you seeking to try to gain God's approval? Can I be honest with you? It won't work. You say, why not? Because if you're a Christian, you already have it. You already have gained it. Here, you say, what do you mean? Let me, let me give you an illustration to talk, to talk about. Here, here's what I'm saying. I got four kids. I got Madison, Foster, Sawyer, and Hudson. And all four of them are my kids. Are they ever going to be not my kids? Never. They're always going to be my kids. Do they ever get be a little angry? Yes. Just ask them. Does that get mad? Yes. Is there ever a time when he doesn't love them? No. He always loves them. No matter what they do. You say, well, they haven't tried you yet. You're right, I haven't been tried yet in the furnace, okay? Teenage years are coming. But, but I'm, I'm just saying to you, my love is always there for them. See, it's the same thing with God. God's approval is there, but His approval is there not because of you, but because of Jesus. See, Jesus paid it all on the cross for you and I. And when you and I embrace that, when we accept that into our lives, He accepts me, He approves of me. Not because of me, not because of what I've done or haven't done or who I am or who I'm not. Not because of how big my bank account is or how far in the red I am. Not because of the car I drive or the clunker I am driving. God accepts me. Are you trying to gain His approval? And listen, however you respond to it, you need to embrace this next point. Recognize the faithfulness of God. He's faithful to you. Listen, I understand sometimes it seems like He's distant. Sometimes it seems like when we pray He doesn't hear. But my friends, that doesn't mean anything. It means that you maybe aren't perceptive, but the fact is God is always with you. Some of you are old enough to remember years ago the... The, it was everywhere, Footprints in the Sand, the poem that was written. Wonderful poem, wasn't it? About the two walking on the beach. And then you look back and there was only one set of prints. And the feeling of the person was, God, why have you abandoned me? And he says, I haven't abandoned you. I carried you through those times. See, we need to recognize that. Recognize the faithfulness of God. Some of you need to embrace that today. Some of you need to embrace that God is faithful to you. Faithful to you. 
Thank you for being with us this morning. And we trust that today's message has been both challenging and an encouragement to your heart. At Kerwinsville Christian Church, a warm welcome is always extended to you. We're located at 700 State Street, Kerwinsville, Pennsylvania. For more information about our ministry, please visit us on the web at www.kerwinsvillechristian.org. Now, on behalf of George Cannon and the entire church family, we hope that you will look to the Heavenly Father in all that you face this coming week.